Hello there, everybody. It's me, Gary Kidney, the co-host of You've Got to Be Kidding Me on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. And I am Liam Jones, my full name, and I am also a part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network as a co-host, but you've got to be kidding me. We are a TNA history podcast that covers TNA one month at a time. We cover all the drama, all the matches, all the Vince Russo nonsense you could ever want in your life. Have you you heard of TNA? I bet you have. But would it be funnier if two people made jokes over it the whole time? Probably. So if that sounds like fun to you, check it out on this very Voices of Wrestling podcasting network, and Liam will do bits and whatnot. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome back to another episode of The Good, The Bad, and The Hungy here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. I am your host, Tyler Fornison. With me, as always, is my co-host, Fred. Just ate an oatmeal cream pie, Moreland. Fred, it's been an interesting week in AEW. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm living that nutritious and delicious life and uh, having a good one. Um, Yeah, it's, you know, there hasn't been a lot of stories, but there's been a couple of fairly big ones. And... uh, yeah, I think it's pretty interesting right now. Absolutely. And let's start off with arguably the biggest one. And it's something that we've speculated on in smaller doses here on this show, like kind of how things are going to work with a, a potential new television deal. And Fightful has reported with sources from Warner Brothers Discovery that they have proposed to AW to expand their pay-per-view schedule, quote, even to one a month, unquote. It's unclear how those would happen. And if those would air on Max or independent of that as traditional pay-per-views. But I'm very curious. Let, let's let's start here. Let's talk about it through the lens of AEW's booking. Because AEW's booking is on a, for a quarterly pay-per-view basis. It has its merits. It has its downfalls. Especially when you see the same people doing the same things every single week. Just to get to the pay-per-view. So having a shorter format could be a benefit. But it also could hinder long-term stories. I think if they were to do this, it would be best to continue a quarterly pay-per-view schedule, but turn events like Winter is Coming, Fight for the Fallen, mm-hmm. Fighter Fest, those become monthly specials, similar to how Impact does it. I think the Impact model for how they have it, they have their four pay-per-views and then they have their monthly specials on their streaming service. I feel like that would be the right model to follow here. But I could also see them chasing the bag and trying to just do 12 pay-per-views. But then you're asking people to buy 12 pay-per-views, four ROH pay-per-views. That's going to get real long in the tooth, and it's going to get expensive for fans. So there's a lot of, whatchamacallit, it's not FOMO, but it's running out of money. Like. It's going to get expensive to spend 50 bucks a month on a, on a traditional pay-per-view, especially when not, not all the cards are going to be as strong as like your tentpole events. Yeah, um, it definitely will. Uh, I think, though, if you look at what UFC has done with their pay-per-view business, and if you also look at what uh, WWE has done with theirs, uh, really the pro move in 2023 is to get a third party to buy the rights to those events. 
whether it be you know so that they can turn around and say sell pay-per-views like ufc and espn or i guess i should say espn does for ufc pay-per-views or if you just outright get them to pay you for it so it's part of their streaming service like uh wwe has with nbc universal and their peacock service um I, you know, it is kind of curious about what direction any kind of expansion with the schedule will be moving forward. Um, but I think if they, even if they do decide to go to a 12 pay-per-view, like prop, like actual monthly pay-per-view where you actually have to pay a set amount to watch the show, whether it be through cable or BR live or uh, max itself. Um, I think in the end that would be, more financially beneficial for AEW. I, I would be shocked if it ended up costing them money. Some people probably pick and choose what they buy, and yeah, sure. But I also think that, you know, at least the big events, um, whether that continues to be the, the ones they currently have, they serve as tent poles, or if, um, you know, some other event, you know, eventually rises to be a bigger annual deal, uh, somewhat like what Money in the Bank has for WWE. Um where I think it's certainly bigger than Survivor Series at this point. Um, I think that that's a, you know, that's a definite possibility for AEW that they'll end up making more money. Um, especially if part of the new, new deal with Warner Brothers is that they, uh, they get uh, paid for putting on their shows some. Um, you know, and if you're following what WWE is doing business-wise, you know, they're trying to get money from host cities just to hold their events in those cities. Uh, of course, they have the Saudi Arabia deal, but they're getting money from, like, Puerto Rico for the backlash show they did there and for um, bringing their shows to the UK. And uh, there's also, uh, they got a hosting fee for both the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania this year, I do believe. Um, so that's going to be a bigger part of their equation moving forward. And I would not be surprised if AEW starts uh, a similar uh, or starts going down a similar path where they are also looking for, you know, more sources of income from their shows than just the traditional metrics of buying tickets and selling pay-per-views and so forth, uh, merch sales. Uh, if they can get like money from WBD or they can get that money from you know Chicago or whatever city they're they're going to, I think that they would be foolish to not pursue that. You're on mute, my man. You did it this week, you fool. I, I did charlatan. No. Oh, I am I am such a bad person, and everybody can roast me in the Voice of Wrestling Discord on the Good, the Bad, and the Hungry channel. That's you'll a wanna, plug, baby. You'll want to head over there, baby. Uh, so, correct me if I'm wrong, but weren't some of these col first collision episodes bought shows by promoters? You know, so I'm already delving into this. I actually do not know uh, if that's the case. Then I missed that. Um, which I mean, given the past month I've had, it's entirely possible I missed that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if that's the case, then you know, even better for them uh, if they can just start getting bought. You know, television shows. I know that some of the I think some of the house shows were. I know that much. Um, well, initially were, those were house shows. Oh well, if they were. And then they turned shows, into collision. Well, even better for them then. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think they're already headed down that path a little bit, at least with the uh, you know bot shows or host fees or whatever terminology I should be using there. Um, I think that's becoming a part of it. But you know, they'll they'll want to expand that too. And I mean, you know. 
with the whole disruptor thing and every, you know, the, the whole thing with that is the, what was the terminology for? Was it the opposition brand or something like that? Uh, the challenge, challenge brand, right? Mm -hmm. The, the terminology that, uh, Tony Khan was waving around, uh, comparing, you know, AEW to Burger King and Pepsi. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, this will probably continue to be a bigger part of the, uh, of the landscape for AEW's business moving forward. Got a little distracted there, buddy, because uh, I just found out that on July 10th, we were the number one wrestling podcast in Turkey. We have finally conquered Turkey. Take that flagship. Good, the bad, and the hungry yeah. stands at all. That's right. Uh, put it in the record books, baby. We're the greatest podcast ever parentheses in turkey in parentheses parentheses about wrestling in parentheses um uh yeah but title. anyways um the show title number one <laughs> wrestling podcast in turkey um anyways i got distracted there obviously i apologize for that but yeah i'll be Don't i think apologize. we're number one <laughs> we are smitty werben jagerman jensen um but yeah, uh, so yeah, I think uh, I think this will definitely be part of the business strategy for AEW moving forward. Um, I think that it could definitely be a way to improve some aspects of AEW's booking. Um, two things in particular: one, uh, how they like how Tony likes to put feuds on the back burner for months at a time. Perhaps there'll be pressure on him to not do that so much. Uh, I'm looking at the Keith Lee Swerve Strickland storyline that I still don't know if it's been ended or not. Um, I think that was a big fumble this year. Um, and also, um, you know, something I've been talking about for probably about the entire promotion's length is the, uh, you know, the overall delay in booking big matches. Um, I think that by having more big shows, um, not, not Paul White's, um, that they will, you know, feel pressure to not just, you know, kind of let marquee matches not happen um now will tony khan be able to head up creative that maintains and you know that keeps being interesting moving forward uh you know i guess we'll see uh that'll be the big question i really think um but aw you know it's not entirely a work rate promotion i think that's a that's misleading but i do think it is a major aspect of the promotion and more matches with AEW probably means more high quality matches um, and being able to see those in a pay-per-view setting rather than a, a television show setting probably means that they'll be better. And that's pretty good for me as a consumer. As a consumer, better wrestling is always good, but let's look at the counter argument. And one thing we have not talked about about a lot on this show is ring of honor. Yeah. Ring of honor television is a lot of really good wrestling. It's, it's also, it's also feels, a lot of wrestling. <laughs> yeah, it's also feels soulless, and it doesn't really feel like a television show. It just feels like an elongated dark that they eventually used to build a pay-per-view, which I believe right, there's, right only black one match, there's only one match currently for the pay-per-view, and the pay-per-view is next week. Yeah, so, eight days. Yeah, that, that's a, that's that's a great. little interesting. So it, it, there are, as far as continuing to get more quality matches, there is the other side where... You know, maybe we're not getting as many in AEW, but I do think it's cool that we're getting some unique stuff. Like, I'm sorry. I I really hope Tony Khan somehow listens to this or somebody gets his back. 
to him. Give Big Bill and Brian Cage a legit world title run as a tag team. Those guys rule. It like, does rule. It, it, oh. yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you've used this opportunity to just uh, immediately put over uh, your favorites, which uh, I will not fault you for because they do rule. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I I, uh, I have watched two Big Bill Brian Cage matches in the past 24 hours because I was getting caught up on Rampage. And, uh, like, you know, their match with Jeff Jarrett and Matt Hardy, you know, it was going to be what, you know, that wasn't even their match. What am I talking about? I screwed that up. Uh, good job, me. Uh, Trent Beretta and Matt Seidel was pretty good, actually. Uh, I was thinking of the uh, other tag match on Rampage. But, yeah, um, Big Bill rules. Uh, Big Bill, I am so happy that we have, like, very good uh, Big Bill. Um his tag match with Cage against uh, Matt Seidel and Trent Barreto on Rampage was very good. I think I went like three and three quarters on it. Uh, and then their match last night was also uh, I, I, a lower star rating, but it really wasn't a star rating match. Uh, it was, you know, a uh, bunch of goofiness, which was enjoyable in a different way. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they're still a good tag team. And I think it'd be cool if they kept they stayed together moving forward somehow. Yeah, not always are you going to hit with these battle bowl style tag teams. It's so, sometimes you just hit a home run. Big Bill and Brian Cage with like Big Bill is your classic big man. He understands how to work like a big man now. I, I think you he, mean a uh, a big Bill man. <laughs> yes, I do a big Bill man. So he didn't really know how to work like a traditional style big man uh, when he was in WWE as Big Cass. But as he's grown and developed and as he's matured, he has figured out the little nuances of being a big guy and how you can work that into psychology. The MJF uh, just scoop slam spot. That was awesome. There are some things that will always work in professional wrestling. Smaller guy slamming bigger guy is always going to work. And fans are going to pop for it. And that, that worked incredibly well. They built it up nice. Big Bill sold it like a million bucks, and it was a really good turning point in that tag match. And then you have Brian Cage, who looks like a roided monster, and oh, he's mean. he's doing like enziguris, and he's got like the ultimate fire pro wrestling create a move set move set, like the drill claw rocks. Uh, it's just stuff like that. Like, just have those guys be a tag team. I don't know. I would like to see a Big Bill singles run, and I think that will happen eventually. Brian Cage, I don't want to see him as a singles guy. I want to see him in tags and trios. Come in, do your spots, get out. That is perfect for Brian Cage. He can come in for little spurts and do some cool shit. Like yeah. X, X Division scrambles. Like We make fun of scrambles because, oh, it's just a scramble match. That's where Brian Cage is at his best because he's a, he's a moves guy. Yeah, and he is not, not a not a connect the dots guy. He's a look at these dots; they roll, don't they? Yeah, exactly. And these guys would be the perfect tag team. It would be so much fun to have. But we'll I, I will say, they- even if we don't advance with this, I mean, both guys are in very good situations because you've got Cage as part of the Ring of Honor Six Man Champs with uh, Gates of Agony, who I've had my eyes open to by their appearances on AEW this year. And, uh, you know, he's he's doing exactly what you just laid out in that six-man, in that trio. Um, 
And then Bill, uh, you know, I, I don't know that the Lee Morarty team works quite as well necessarily, but still I think Lee's better than Cage in a vacuum, and I think they work very well together. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. Dudes rule. You're damn right they rule. Uh, Tony, I know you listen to this podcast. Uh, that's I don't actually know that, but we're going to pretend like I do. Please keep these guys as a tag team they're both heels just make it happen please do it for me that your best friend that you've never met let's let's continue on here uh as there's quite a bit to talk about um we're gonna have a lot of discussion about uh the blackpool combat club and the golden elite blood and guts match so we'll hold off on that for a little while Let's talk about some injuries, and we have some good and bad news. With that, Bandito just had wrist surgery. He was injured uh, against Konosuke Takeshita in their June 14th Rampage match, which was very good. Uh, he suffered a triangular fibrocartilage complex injury. So basically, he didn't break his wrist. He tore cartilage. I, I believe that's kind of the basis of that, right, Fred? That, that's my understanding, I think, as well. Mm-hmm. Although this is honestly the first I heard of this injury before. So, again, I'm not an orthopedic surgeon. I just try to read stuff and understand it on occasion when it comes up. Yeah, it triangular fibrocartilage complex injury sounds like uh, something Michael Jordan would bet on on the golf course. Uh, I'm so glad you knew that you got that reference. Um, now, uh, unfortunate for Bandito, he posted a picture of social media with, I believe it was him and his daughter, yeah. Um, in the hospital bed, and he had a nice little emoji covering his face because you know he's K-fabe. Uh, gotta love it. I, I I love that kayfabe still exists in 2023. Um, another element of um, unfortunate news: uh, Thunder Rosa will be reevaluated in six weeks. I believe this is still the back injury. And yeah, unfortunate. So. The there's I we need to put in our heads that there's a real chance that she never wrestles again, and. It would be unfortunate for multiple parties because we could eventually get a payoff with like her and Brit, like Brit just hating her guts, and we could get another great match because we had the St. Patrick's Day Slam, back to back years, won a hardcore match and won a cage match, uh, where Thunder Rosa won the title. But she's also a great worker and she's fun to watch in the ring. But a young person having that kind of back injury for the rest of their life just just devastating stuff because if you've ever hurt your back, you're basically immobile. It's not fun. No. Um, I like anything in your, in your torso. I, uh, uh, I, I almost died four years ago from an appendectomy and like they didn't know it was my appendix. So they like sliced me open and like, a, like you're gutting a deer and they like sliced out like through all my ab muscles. Oh man. If you can't, if your ab muscles hurt, you can't do anything. It's not fun. So it's kind of the same thing with your back. Hopefully that they figure it out and she's able to, one, come back to the ring, and two, if she can't, her life can be somewhat normal because that those injuries are not fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I honestly, just because of her, how pro wrestling works, I, I would be shocked if she never did wrestle again. But I think we've reached a timetable of who knows, really. Um it's uh I think there's some connotations with this comparison I don't really mean, 
but just in terms of the uncertainty of the return, uh, the thing that I would compare it the most to is maybe Ben Simmons, or I guess another one would be, uh, it's actually reminds me a lot of the Kawhi Leonard at the end of his time with the Spurs injury situation where, um, you know, he was suffering from this uh, kind of poorly understand tendonitis in his case situation that was causing him a lot of pain and um, but nothing is on the surface broken. And that led to, um, you know, a situation where Tony Parker, who is historically a bad teammate and uh, Greg Popovich uh, kind of threw him under the bus publicly. And that ended his time in San Antonio because he did not want to work with them anymore. Um, and frankly, I kind of can't blame him. So I think there's some similarities here with uh, Thunder Rosa in that I think whatever condition she's suffering from, uh, is probably not blindingly obvious as to it being a injury, uh, that is visible for other people. And I think that, uh, that's probably caused backstage friction with, uh, Burt Baker at all. And, um, I also think that, uh, maybe... It was unfairly uh, judged at first, including I think I probably made some comments about it, too, uh, where there are some questions about just how injured she was. And I think at this point, uh, it's pretty clear that there is definitely something going on. You know, it's one thing if she, if it was like, oh, I'm, I'm ducking stuff for a couple months to avoid dropping the belt. Uh, I think this is obviously ex- extended beyond that. And uh, it's, you know, like, I don't think anyone would be playing hurt for over a year uh, just as part of an attempt to get one over on people. You know, I think it's pretty obvious that this is a, a genuine injury situation. Uh, and sometimes the human body is really hard to understand. Um, that's why there's things like differential diagnoses, uh, where you take a situation, the, the symptoms a patient is suffering from, and you, you know, what you do is you go down the list of ruling out, you know, uh, conditions because they don't match those symptoms and uh you know sometimes you know like uh lupus is a condition like this that's very tricky to diagnose um and uh you know i think it's just hard sometimes and it sounds like that whatever thunder rosa is really dealing with is uh, a fairly unusual situation that is you know obviously we want her to get better soon uh but i think it's uh it's hard to understand and i think there's probably some instinct to you know, um, I guess blame her, uh, which isn't really fair. So. No, it's not fair. Injuries are fickle. Yeah. The human like, body is weird. Trust me, I have one of the weirdest human bodies of all time. I, mean, I almost I'm looking died at it right now. Good God. I know, right? I almost died from being gangrene. I had thyroid surgery at 11 years old. That's usually saved for middle-aged women. And I, I had a hernia as a child. Uh, that one's kind of normal, at least. But the that other is kind of like, normal, yeah. How the how the appendix happened ain't normal. Let me tell you, it was. Well, it it's the entire reason why I have my sports media career, so I won't complain. But I do have two guts now, so that's fun. Hey, shirts don't fit well anymore, baby. I wear a lot of hoodies. Uh, let's let's Blood continue. Guts, on. Nobody... guts. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um. Well, some good news on the injury front. Layla Hirsch has returned to action. Uh, she returned in her ROH taping, I believe it was last week. Uh, she's she's an interesting one because she does not have the charisma yet. 
but she is a very solid hand in the ring and in a division that could use solid hands. It this this is a great great add to where we're currently sitting. Yeah, I think there's a potential there for sure. I, I think she, I, I genuinely, generally like her work, but I also think that it wasn't perfect. Obviously, it's pretty early in her career, uh, so if she can improve, uh, obviously that'll be great for her and AEW. But you know, it'll be it's to be seen. Um, I think there's a lot of up in the air uh, with her, and you know, fingers crossed that she's able to really maximize her talents, but. It'll be interesting to watch. Um, I think at this point, AEW's women's division has improved to where they don't need her right back on AEW immediately, and I think Ring of Honor is a great spot for her. And um, I, I, I am cautiously optimistic that maybe someday she'll be a you know a really solid performer. Yeah, I have, I have a lot of confidence that at the very least she's just going to be a work rate individual, and that's a good thing. The one tough part about like the discussion surrounding women's wrestling isn't necessarily the talent. There's top-end talent. There has been for a long time. Part of the problem in this country with how women's wrestling was treated for the better part of the last 100 years until Stephanie McMahon created women's wrestling in 2015 was they were treated as like a sideshow act by a lot of people, and they weren't treated as the, the same as men's wrestlers. Now you've seen a massive shift. Now in Japan, Josie companies have, uh, there's been some turbulence just like there have been with men's companies, but they've always been treated with the same level of respect and as performers as the men were. In this country, it wasn't that way. And because of that, and now like the pool of women's wrestlers is a lot more shallow than it necessarily could be. Now, I think in about 10, 20 years, that pool of women's wrestlers the high quality is going to be so much higher because now you're seeing young girls watching women get treated like r- real wrestlers and not sideshow acts and not, Hey, bra and panties matches. No, mm-hmm. they're, they are treated like real wrestlers and they're treated fairly. They're given the, the same or very, very similar treatment. Like now you're going to start seeing the talent pool get a lot deeper. And right now, it, with how many companies utilize women's wrestlers, it's just too shallow. And having work rate individuals like Layla Hirsch is objectively really good right now. And eventually, you're going to have a lot of these. But right now, there's not. And having having somebody like Hirsch is great for AEW. It's great for the scene. And eventually, we're going to have more of them. But that's just not the case at the moment. Yeah. Uh, I, I will push back on one aspect of what you said, which is, you know, labeling Layla Hirsch a, a workhorse uh, wrestler. Uh, I just don't know that she's there yet. I, I, there are some aspects of her game that are very good, and then I think she's just kind of lacking in terms of, like, connecting the dots. In a way, she's kind of like Brian Cage, uh, just with maybe a little less cool stuff going on. But So I think you you're know, right, but what I mean was uh, – what I'm trying to say is she's somebody that you can put in a match – She's a solid hand, and she's gonna. She's not gonna botch stuff. Yeah, like that. That that's kind of where I'm going. But you're right. Yeah. She's she needs refining. Like yeah. a lot of these 100%. individuals in this company need. They need refining, and you're only gonna get that through working. Yeah, 
Uh, and uh, just to go back to the the history of women's wrestling in the United States, you know, I've been I've done some research on June Byer's career as I try to get her in the uh, Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame. And uh, you know, if you when you're reading the um, the the newspaper articles from that time period about her, and you know, one she's a draw, uh, like on her own, uh, she was a. Uh, in an era of very um, regional promotions, you know, with the territories and everything, she was a, I will travel across the country and draw well wherever I go, at least for the first couple of years of her reign as NWA Women's Champion. Uh, but also, like, when they, in the newspaper articles about her, there's definitely an aspect of, look at this woman doing athletics, question mark, which, you know, is kind of the norm for the era about any female athlete but you know there's the aspect of wrestling on top of it that kind of gets it played up some more uh but you know she was genuinely treated like a draw and that kind of went away when fabulous mula took over women's wrestling uh and mm -hmm. dominated for decades and then you know even once her, she kind of lost her power i guess around the 90s it took 15 years i think really maybe honestly 20s probably closer to right for any real movement to be made on that front in WWE. There was earlier movement in TNA with Gail Kim and the knockout division and all that. Uh, but it took that, you know, the, the four horse women uh, to come along to really kind of change WWE's approach to it, where they finally started treating women like a legit draw and not just a, a piss break match, you know, source. Um, so we're fortunate that that's changed, but you know, when you just stop and think about how much lost time there is in terms of training, um, you know, there's just so many lost generations of women there uh, that could have been very good pro wrestlers and just weren't because there was no emphasis on that. The, the pro wrestling was not being, you know, treated as a good source of wrestling. It was just 100% eye candy, and you know. Uh, not treated seriously and it's all unfortunate we're kind of still we're going to keep dealing with the aftermath of that for years and years to come sadly yeah and the nice part is it's getting better and we're seeing improvement of how women are booked and how they're treated and it's, nothing's perfect and we're never going to claim that to be but i like the fact that it's showing at least growth yeah. and i think that's an objectively good thing Let's continue on here, and we're, let's circle back to Ring of Honor. Death Before Dishonor, as we mentioned earlier, is in eight days. That's Friday, July 21st. The main event of that show will be Mark Briscoe challenging for the ROH world title against Claudio Castagnoli. I don't like this. I don't like this at all. I get it. I get why they're doing it in canon especially with Eddie Kingston in the G1. But I don't think Mark Briscoe's winning this. And as far as how you're building him up to potentially win the strap in within the course of the next calendar year, I, I don't I don't like him challenging for the title right now, especially after he just lost that view to Samoa Joe. And he seemed to have been, based on kind of me generally following along with ROH television, still trying to get that title from Samoa Joe. Now he's almost like become like uh I, i'm trying to think of um oh like when you play like a horse uh in your backyard and you call a celebrity shot you have your buddy come take the shot for you it almost feels like this is 
Eddie Kingston calling for a celebrity shot and having Mark Briscoe challenge for the title he was supposed to. I I don't like that. I, I don't think it makes sense. I don't think it it's the best way to go about Mark Briscoe's arc and his story. And obviously his story is so complicated because it involves the death of his brother, one of the best tag team wrestlers to ever live. But there's so many layers to this. I don't like it. I think this sucks. Yeah, it feels very cold right now. Um, I will have to caveat this with a note that I have not really been following Raymond Honor for the past couple months. Um, I would like to do a catch up on it, but frankly, I'm trying to get caught up on uh, Lucha Libre. I've got a Dragon Gate show to knock out. <laughs> I've got a couple months of Impact I've fallen behind on. So, you know, it's not really a top priority for what is essentially AW's D show. Hey, the G1 um, starts on Saturday. and Yeah, forget it. It's not happening. Uh, the Ring of Honor is not happening. I'm not getting caught up on that ever. I, I will be watched. I, I will say, if you want to get caught up on Ring of Honor, I highly recommend Voice of Wrestling's own Suit Williams writes the reviews for uh, F4W uh, and Wrestling Observer Online. Go check yeah. those out. He does a fantastic job. Obviously, uh, the suit rules. wrestling of... Yeah, you know, Suit's phenomenal. Um, he's... He's one of the smartest people I've ever met in terms of how how the business is viewed. Uh, but I will say their style is a lot different than how we do things. It's very, very match by like move by move by move mm-hmm. style. And it can it can kind of walk you through the match, but it's how he reviews those is not going to give you a lot of big picture stuff. How he reviews things for us at Voice of Wrestling is much more big picture, but that that'll that can at least help you get caught up in about 20 minutes. Cool. I'll have to check those out for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Right. Go ahead. Yeah, that that's about it. Um, let's do a quick rundown here of. Kind well, of I do. We do have to talk about Brian Pillman Jr. because we haven't done that yet. Oh. Uh, his, his contract has expired. Um, what was your favorite Brian Pillman Jr. moment? Uh, remember when he was in the? Uh, we're going to just outright steal from. Uh, You've got to be kidding me here, I guess. Uh, remember when he You've was in You've got the... to be kidding. We're going to steal something? Yes, I know. Every other idea I've ever had is original and also great. Um, please don't investigate that any further. Um, remember <laughs> when uh, he and Griff Garrison were in the Varsity Blondes? And, that was a uh, fun little mid-card tag team. I, I wish that they would have done a little bit more with them, but I, I just think the ceiling for especially... Uh, Pillman Jr. was just not there. Yeah. He had the name, he had the look, but he just didn't work well enough. Um, I'm intrigued to see what this means for Griff Garrison because a lot of us actually saw somewhat of a future, and I think he's still only like 24, so yeah, he's, he's young. young. And 25, according to Cage Match. Um, yeah, that's somebody you can just send to the Indies and just be like, dude, just go take a bunch of bookings and yeah. we'll use you, but just go work get better like there's something there with him i don't know what the ceiling is it's probably maybe like a tnt title but even so having those kind of mid carters on your roster is great especially when tony khan doesn't like to beat people you can beat somebody like griff garrison at his peak like that is just good people have on your roster um but it's intriguing to see what happens there I will say my favorite, though, was I think it was him and MJF 
where they had a two week feud. Yeah, the, uh, in Cincinnati, and Brian Pillman Jr. is from Cincinnati, and that was he comes out in like a Bengals jersey and stuff. That was fun. Yeah, uh, you know that was a good babyface uh, storyline there, a hometown babyface storyline, but. You know, there's only so many of those you can run with a guy, and uh, especially when you're not having him do anything else at all of note. Uh, but, I mean, that was fun. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but like, I remember uh, when I was at the Lexington Dynamite taping uh, that I think he had a dark match, I want to say. Um, uh, and uh, I, I was I was like, I, you know, I'm really curious because I haven't watched a whole lot of him recently. I wonder how he's doing. And he just did not look natural in the ring to me. Um, and uh, at that point, I was like, I think he's just done. I think that's it, man. Um, as far as like a guy to watch for. Um, yeah, I mean, I just don't think he's ever developed to the point that, you know, you would maybe hope he had. Uh, he's 29. He's still got time, I think. But I do think that if he was able to go on a run on the Indies, and uh, just work a lot and maybe get pushed in some places, that would be, you know, that would be a good thing for him. But what I saw in March was, uh, uh, you know, mixed at best. I guess, yeah, in January, not March, but yeah. Okay, so let's, here's something interesting. And uh, kudos to uh, Taylor, a host of uh, Jumping Bomb Audio, for posting this in our office Slack. This is from Vic Newman on Twitter. And he says, with Kota Bushi's AEW debut imminent, here's a reminder there are 47 talents under contract that have not worked a match on weekly programming or pay-per-view within the last three months. Some are injured and one is pregnant. Some are for reasons unknown. And the list is interesting. Um, well, one of them I can already tell you is wrong because one of them is Billy Starks, and Billy Starks just wrestled on the pre-show of Forbidden Door. Yeah. But you have, like, Anthony Agogo hasn't wrestled since June of 2021. Yeah. Um, I kind of wonder if he's just done. You want to go through this whole list? But I, I want to point out a couple of interesting ones, and I think it's being a little bit unfair, like, Christopher Daniels hasn't wrestled since Rampage in April. It's Christopher Daniels. He's yeah. going to wrestle whenever he wants. And he's he's probably he's, on, not, he's all over Ring of Honor. He's doing he did a little bit with Triple A recently. Um he's also doing some indie shots. Dude, it's yeah. Christopher Daniels. He's office. He's been wrestling for 30 years. Leave him be. Um Danhausen. That that one's a little surprising. I love me some Danhausen. He's been hurt. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's true. I forgot. Um, yeah, he, he messed up his arm. I mean, that's the entire reason he's not around. I'm going to go through this entire list. All right, here we go. I'm hijacking the show. Deal with it. All right, Abaddon. Uh, good gimmick. Uh, not really good wrestler. You know, maybe she deserved another shot since October 20, 2021. But, like, eh. You know, if I assume that if she was showing more on Dark, then we'd, we'd have seen her. Anthony Gogo, we've kind of already talked about. I, you know, he last wrestled in December 2022 in the UK. Uh, Billy Starks was on the pre-show. Obviously going to be a big deal moving forward with them. Um, 
forget it. Boulder and Bronson, they've been reworked as a tag team. I think they're in Ring of Honor primarily right now. Uh, obviously, they're kind of a project. We'll see what happens. Brandon Cutler is Brandon Cutler. Do you expect to see him on Dynamite regularly? That's not his job. Brock Anderson is Brock Anderson. Like, who's going to be calling for more Brock Anderson? You know, other. I don't even think Arn's like, man, we got to give this kid on TV more. Um. Daniels is old. Cole Carter is Cole Carter. Uh, this is not a guy that like is TV ready right now. Uh, maybe he never will be. Uh, Colt Cabana. What are we? What would we push Colt Cabana for in 2023? Um, he's obviously more of a road agent at this point, or a producer, or whatever term you like. Danhausen is hurt. Dante Martin. Uh, he's hurt right now. Diamante just got promoted. She's primarily in Ring of Honor these days. Didn't uh, she just get an all elite graphic too? She did. She did. We talked about this last week how she got a full time contract, uh, probably just to do Ring of Honor stuff. Um, Griff Garrison is uh, was out injured for a while, just worked a match in Ring of Honor. I still think maybe they should try to develop him some more, but he's 25. He's obviously a project. Kira mm-hmm. Hogan. Um, I mean, you could argue she should be pushed a little more, but I don't think she's got so much talent that it's like, what are we doing here? Right. She's uh, she's good, but not great. Um, and I think, you know, it's okay. it's not like that the women's division has been missing for her. Kyle Riley has been out hurt. Lance Archer, that's one that I 100% agree with. Both New Japan and AEW seem to have not really wanted to book him too much in the past year because they didn't have ideas for him and they didn't want him to job. So Who, I think Lance Archer? Lance Archer, yeah. No, he had a torn triceps. Oh, he was also injured. So, yeah, there you go. That's a big yeah. part of it, too. So, one of the things he tweeted out, he's like, uh, you tweet out one the reason why he's been gone. He has a torn triceps. I he forgot about anybody Because he didn't want sympathy. Yeah. Like, that's just Gato telling him, more monster. Yeah. Uh, Lee Johnson. I mean, another developmental guy. Like, I, I don't think we really need him running all over the place for TV time. Layla Gray. She's in that Kira Hogan uh, boat for me. Um just kind of, you know, like a respectable worker who I don't think there's much demand for. Uh, or, or like, I guess I should say instead, uh, like, is not so overwhelmingly talented that it's, uh, what are we doing here? Um, Layla Hirsch, we just talked about, out injured a lot. Madison Rain, uh, she is, I mean, like, I don't want her on AWS. She's office. Yeah, she's office yeah, she too, wrestles. primarily. She wrestles some, but, like, you know, what are we going to do? We're going to put Pat Buck on the next page? Like, come on now. Uh, Mark Davis is hurt. Mark Quinn is hurt. Matt Taven and Mike Bennett uh, both are primarily in Ring of Honor. I would personally love to see them in AEW more, but that's their current slot. So, I mean, again, it's not like, oh, I can't believe we brought in Kota Ibushi instead of these guys, you know. Uh, Michael Nakazawa is Brandon Cutler version 2.0. Like, literally the exact same job, basically. Office. Yeah. Uh, Nick Camaroto. Look, I still think he's got like some upside, but like, you know, um, Ortiz, uh, he was he hurt? It was Santana that was hurt, right? Yeah, Santana's Santana, been out. Santana, Santana got hurt on uh, a year ago of Blood and Guts. Ortiz Santana, is Ring of Honor right now. Santana's still on the roster page. So yeah. there's a chance that he's coming back. Now, I would assume Santana's fully healed now. What I'm thinking is there if they worked things out, I think we're going to get a proud and powerful reunion, mm. and they're going to come back, and I think that could bring some 
more life to this AEW tag team division. Because shockingly, Fred, they were here from day one of Dynamite. They've never won the tag team titles. Right. That, now, that's th- something that they could do. And I think that run could be really, really fun. Yeah. Um, but you know, I Ortiz has worked a little bit in Ring of Honor. I don't know if they're saving him for that tag run. I remember there's some talk about like how they're how they are being set up for or how there was uh, some differences between the two and they wanted to break the team up because they didn't want to get along or couldn't get along. I think primarily more on Santana's part, who I think wanted to be a bigger star, I guess. Um, Pack, he just came back literally for Blood and Guts, so. Paige Van Zant is pretty much done with wrestling. Parker Boudreaux uh, has been hurt and also like is really far down the developmental ladder. So, you know, Paul White uh, is hurt and also is old. You know, he's not going to be wrestling a lot anyways. Penelope Ford, uh, she is she's pregnant. So, yeah, uh, Peter Avalon. Uh, was a jobber and also isn't really under full-time contract anymore, if I'm not mistaken. I think he's just a handshake, you know, a a per-appearance deal at this point. Rebel is Britt Baker's sidekick. She's not here to wrestle. She's not a wrestler, man. Uh, Red Velvet, does she have an injury? Am I mistaken on that? Or Okay, so she did, and then she did the one shot in February, and I, I think they just haven't had anything for her especially with Jade having kind of transitioned out. Yeah, she's not even working like dark stuff uh, since the Jade match, so I can't recall if she was injured or not, but maybe she is. Riho, I mean, I think we're on record saying that the the Joshi stars outside of Sheeta are criminally underused. Riho is like the best example of that. Um, yeah, uh, Santana is uh, is injured. Satnam Singh, like you really are going i can't believe they brought in koto ibushi when we could have been having satinum Singh matches like come on man uh serena deeb has been injured sean dean is office sunny kiss uh is working ring of honor if i'm not mistaken tay mellow is pregnant uh the bunny is you know you could argue yeah she should be featured more like i I, i'm not gonna bury her i think she's solid you know relative to the what the standard is for the AEW women's division right now but i mean like she's you know she's also not exactly the second coming of sasha banks you know uh thunder rosa is we already talked about her injuries yuka sakazaki is primarily in japan again i do agree that she and riho are underused and zach clayton like seriously like who on no one on this list is someone that I'm like I can't believe that they're giving this rep to Kota Ibushi instead of filling the blank here. Uh, most of these people are either injured or low level guys. There's like three people on here, and one of them was injured, Lance Archer, that I think could be featured more. Um, so like what like we put together this list and it's just you know my my end result is yeah I do agree that Riho and Yuka Sakazaki should be used more. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's our end end result. Listen, at the end of the day, when you read this list off, there's uh, quite a few people who are injured. Mark Quinn. um, I I guess in in this sense, you could call um, being pregnant an injury because you can't be in the ring. So it's it's in the same bucket, even though it's completely different. Right, obviously, Uh, yeah. Either pregnant or injury. But the majority of these people are front office, working Ring of Honor, or both. Ring of Honor is basically AEW. This this is just, uh, I don't know, it's a very silly list that doesn't really mean anything. 
Um, the oh, idea but it's already gotten 156,000 views on the social media. I mean, it's what it's that's what part of Twitter is is just the weirdo anti AW stuff, like just grasping for straws. There's ways to criticize AW that you don't need to make up shit or focus on bullshit. Come on now, uh, it's enormously frustrating, but it's been part of the wrestling landscape for ever since the formation of the company, basically. Uh, but boy, I really can't believe they didn't put uh, Abaddon in that Kota Ibushi's lot, man. Yes. Criminy. Man. Just the dumbest takes. Oh, boy. Anyways, yeah. Uh, good luck to Brian Pillman Jr. If you get better, come back. Um, it's not that I hate him or anything. I just, you know, didn't see it. And uh, I guess I wasn't the only one. So I feel like I'm not in the island anymore. Yeah, exactly. That's that. That's enough of giving um, stupid tweets our attention. Let's let's get to some real stuff. I think I think we need to. There's multiple things we need to talk about, but I think we need to start here. We need to talk about Adam Cole and MJF. Okay. And Fred, I want I want your raw takes before I I give mine because normally in the show I pre- I present a topic, give my initial thoughts, and bounce it to you. I want to hear what you have to think about this. There was a lot of well, discussion in our office Slack live last night. I, I did not get a chance to watch this live. I didn't get a chance to watch the first hour of the show. Um, we had somebody on my wife's side of the family pass away this weekend. I'm sorry. And it, me too. Um, phenomenal person. But And then we're also adopting a puppy on Monday. Or sorry, not a puppy. A six-year-old Frenchie named Eclair. Like a chocolate Eclair. So I'm excited. But <laughs> just been a, it's been a really busy and weird time in the house because there's so yeah. there's a lot of up and down emotion. But I did get a chance to watch this. The office slack was very torn on how really to kind of view this. But the majority was this stunk. I want you and I have very similar, but also very different views on wrestling. I want your opinion on what you thought of this. Oh, yes, for my raw takes. But I mean, you're mistaken, Tyler. This is AW Dynamite. What are you talking about? <laughs> Um, okay, so that was was very good. Uh, I I had to wait like three whole minutes for that terrible joke. I apologize to no one. Um, okay, so the Adam Cole MJF uh pre tape last night, I think, is really what we're focusing on here because the match itself and the shtick in the match, I think that all worked tremendously in front of the crowd, uh, and I think at home too. Um, it's uh, it's good shtick. Uh, MJF is very good at this kind of shtick in particular. The thing is that uh, the shtick in the pre-tape was not great. And I think if you're doing a skit kind of thing, you've either got to hit a home run or else it like the, 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 let's say that there's like a, just a rising line, right? Let's say that there's like from, you know, you imagine the X and the Y axis that there's just a line at a 45 degree angle. That's kind of how, match quality is perceived in general, right? Like if you go so far to the right in terms of quality, then your perceived, you know, reaction to that quality is about the same. I think if it's like a 60 minute match, you've either got to hit a home run or else it's just feels bad. Even if it was like a three-star match Um, interviews, those are usually so short that like, you know, uh, like the, the, there's kind of more of a exponential increase in enjoyment to it. 
uh, I think, depending on how good the promo is. Skits to me are either you've got a it's like a it's like an Iron Man match. You've got to knock it out of the park to walk away feeling like it was good. And if you don't, then there's like a real rapid decline in your response to the quality of it. Um, and this was not a home run. Uh, so I think like a lot of people are going to be kind of put off by it to start with because some people just want wrestling. Uh, and this was, uh, this definitely felt like something ripped out of raw. Um, there were some good lines in it. I thought there were some redeeming aspects of it. I, I didn't think like it was absolutely awful. Um, that said, I thought this was a super weird segment for your world champion to be doing. Um, as part of a will-they-won't-they storyline, which itself is a little weird for your world champion, given you know what the previous uh, run of world champions in AEW have been, which is very different from this. Um, that's not inherently a bad thing. That's just kind of the reality of it. Um, MJF has definitely pushed the belt in more of a uh, uh, sports entertainment way. Um, and I think there's like an allowable limit to that. And, you know, the question right now is, has he kind of pushed past that? And I think that's, it's fair to say maybe this was too much. Um, I personally thought this segment was a mixed bag, but in my notes, by the end of it, I was like, this was dorky. Um, I, I think that it was not a success. I, I don't know if I go so far as to call it another failure, but it was not a success. And I think that given the high profile of it and everything, uh, and that it was something different, um, that the success, uh, the lack of success with it, uh, hurt, you know, matters a whole lot more than what I would actually point to as the bad Raw slash NXT segment of the night, which was the uh, Harley Cameron from QTV rapping thing, which I just wrote in my notes, why am I watching this? I can tell you why you're watching it. She is going to be a star. She looks great. She's got incredible charisma. She's already connecting with the crowd. This is just, I feel like this is just, I don't have any ideas to get her on TV. So let's put her in this shitty act and let her just shine above everybody else. That That's how I view it. Because it's kind QTV of turned into that, yeah. QTV sucks. But every time she's on screen, she's brilliant. She's witty. She's obviously a, a very good-looking individual. And then she's just got this... It's like a, a bubbly heel charisma where she's just very... She's, got, she's bubbly, but she's also uh, like a deranged asshole at the it's same like time. It's like a mean girl energy. Oh, that's perfect. That's perfect. Uh, she She's going to be something. I don't know. How I, I don't disagree. It. I think she's got definite potential, and I think she could be a star pretty soon. Uh, but you know, one the- thing I want to do: major shout out uh, to um, Philippe Jick ninety seven. I I probably butchered the Discord name, but she was trained by Sean Spears, but she never wrestled in Australia. She's married to Zion Quinn from NXT, so she does have a wrestling background. So that's a very big possibility for her here, but we just haven't seen it yet. I I really, I, I just, there's something with her and I hope that it gets utilized. 
Yeah. Um, now, you know, since we're kind of moving to this topic a little bit, my hot take is rather than putting her in a bad act, I would put her in a good act and have her be featured in that instead of uh, being featured in a bad act. But, you know, that's just me. Um, I think that's also a very reductive way to look at it. But at the same time, God, I hate our uh, QTV. It just needs to go away. Um, uh, but yeah, going back to MJF, uh, Adam Cole, uh, you know, I, I did not think this was, this worked really well, basically. And uh, I, I know that MJF apparently has a lot of pull um, in his push and direction and storylines and all that. Uh, but I think maybe we're getting to the point where maybe we need to uh, filter that a little more and maybe have less of this uh, nonsense with the, uh, with the sports entertainment stuff. See, here's the thing. Look at the people in the room. I think it is being filtered and that's the problem. I don't think there are enough old school wrestling people in the room right now to filter that stuff because you have people like pat buck pat Mm -hmm. buck's great and he's actually working matches like dark matches which i think rules can't believe he wasn't put in blood and guts i know i can't believe it either just an absolute this is apparently a union shop and you need seniority i can't believe kota bushi is a scab with the writer's strike how dare he no it's like pat buck is likes wwe jimmy jacobs same thing and you had people like bj whitmer in the room and it's good that whitmer's out of the room now because of what he did but when whitmer was in the room like whitmer's idea of wrestling is much more aligned with what tony khan's is and i think the people in the room that he's trusting are a little too wwe brain so it's likely it's still getting filtered but the filters are just saying, no, this is good, and not catching the the pathogens. It's like, I didn't even think this was necessarily bad. I think these little video vignettes, if they're just MJF, I can deal with it. I, it okay, it's fine. But I think we're also going to see a lot more of these. The bloodline after, post Sami Zayn is drawing big. SmackDown just did over 2.5 million viewers, like a 0.78 in the demo. This isn't going to go away. This is now successful. And because it's successful, you have the industry leader. Now, they've been the industry leader for 40 years. That doesn't necessarily mean they're the best wrestling product. They're fucking not. They're a bad pro wrestling product. But their hardcore fan base loves this. And you know what it's drawing? Money. They're selling out buildings now with this bloodline stuff, and we can make fun of it. We can say it's repetitive and it's bullshit. It doesn't matter. It's drawing money. And at the end of the day, you need to draw money. This is a business. And if you see the industry leader growing ticket sales, growing in ratings by doing this kind of stuff, guess what you're going to do? You're going to start implementing some of this stuff too. And I think if you're going to do it with anybody, MJF is probably the person to do it with because he can at least make make it a little bit entertaining, even though it's hokey as all hell. And I do think this is incredibly hokey, Fred. This is not good. I think the the core construct of what they're doing, that story's fine. I don't have a problem with it. I like that it's just not, hey, we're going to turn on each other. And they even mentioned in in the, the segment, 
that they both thought on turning on each other right away. And I think that's an, that's an intriguing layer for how this thing is going to progress. I could see them maybe winning the tag titles and then dropping them like at all out or all in and then having the title match at all out. I could see that being a thing. But the, the core structure of the story is good. I don't like how they're getting there. Like MJF taking four girls to the bathroom. Come on. Is this 1997? We're better than this. We're, we are so much better than that. I did like the little video game part. I thought that was the how they did it was clever. I thought it was a very interesting touch that they hit the big rig because obviously they're the champions. Yeah. I think that match will happen. And I think it could be really, really good. Especially when you, the minds that you have in there, Adam Cole being much more of a modern day mind, MJF being kind of a bridge between territories and modern day. And then obviously FTR being like Jim Crockett nerds. I, I think that could be a really, really cool dynamic of merging the two styles. But they need to fix how they're getting here. And I don't like how they're getting here right now. But there's there's something there. I just wish that they would improve on the pathway. Because these vignettes, they're not going to go away. But I, I don't like them. I just don't. Yeah, this one in particular, I mean, it was too long. And I don't think it really worked well. So, yeah, it's it's an it's an interesting one, but I'm intrigued to see where it goes long term because I think long term this could be a really continue to be a really fun story. I I I don't know, man. I'm I'm just so annoyed by the fact that the bloodline, which was a middling story at best until Sami Zayn showed up. And now they've drawn like six months of real money off it, even though they blew it twice with not crowning Sami Zayn or Cody Rhodes as champion. And I don't know. I, I'm just I'm just bitter that I'm so sick of the bloodline, and they need to f- do something because they've been basically spinning their wheels. Like Tony Khan spins his wheels for like six weeks in a pay per view build. WWE has been spinning their wheels for like three years. Yeah. Yeah, it's. Uh... Yeah, it's uh, not for me, I guess. Um, but you know the uh, the real thing with this is, uh, you know, that if you're going to be the alternative product, then you do need to be an alternative. Uh, I understand the point of well, if this is working in WWE, other people want to do it, but they got to be careful about how they do it because you know if you just outright start doing what they're doing. Uh, then you are no longer an alternative. You're just a carbon copy attempt, which will undoubtedly be worse for you business-wise moving forward. I think we can just point to like what impact was, you know, back in its TNA days, when it, especially the Bischoff-Hogan era, uh, when it just tried desperately to do exactly what WWE was doing, only with a lower budget and, uh, you know, not no access to the very top talent. And we saw how that worked out. Yeah. I don't think we have to worry about impact levels right now. No, but, we'll, no, no. but it, it's it's a good comparison initially, and I like that you brought that up. We'll see how this continues to develop. Where do you want to go from here? 
there's there's a few directions. We got to talk blood and guts, man. I mean, that's the big thing right now. Um, I I want to talk blood and guts, but I think I think we should wait a minute as we do a mid show production meeting, which everybody loves in their podcast. (laughs) I want to talk about Nick Wayne. All right, sure. Give me that Nick Nick Wayne talk, baby. I wish this would have gotten a little bit more time. I, I felt like it was a little rushed, and I get it. You, you got to make sure you get to your your big selling point because they're they're trying to draw a a huge TV audience next week for Blood and Guts, and it's kind of in a perfect time because baseball's just post All Star break. They're not really going to heat up until like this two weeks between the All Star game and the trade deadline is kind of wonky. I do think it's a perfect time for blood and guts because it's that real dead space training camp hasn't come in into play yet. That'll come into play the week after for the NFL. And it, it, I wish they would have just given this match more time because Nick, they made a big deal out of Nick Wayne last week. That video package was phenomenal this week. They had a great one as well. And Darby Allen comes out with him because obviously Darby was trained by his dad, buddy. Um, his mom is in the front row to watch his debut and you Nick Wayne literally just turned 18. That's why he's debuting on the show right now. He looked the part in the ring. His body needs work. He's got a jungle body. Oh, he's going to like you give him three, four years. He's going to, he's going to look like Will Ospreay 2021. Like, just uh, he's got enough muscle to look like a legit heavyweight, but he's he just needs time. And you could tell some of the spots he was a little slow, a little hesitant, but they still worked. And he's got chemistry with a guy like Swerve because they were this is supposed to be for the Defy title, but he lost it to Kenta about a month and a half ago. And this was a great match. They really sold that Nick Wayne was the. Um, a great baby face, and he did not want to lose. He he was resilient, but eventually sort of put him away. And this was an awesome showcase for him. I'm very intrigued to see how they continue to use him. And it wasn't a It wasn't for nothing because literally minutes after the match happened, New Japan Pro Wrestling announced him for their Junior Festival on August 19th at the 2300 Arena. Like th- this was great. Mm-hmm. They've really built him up. There's I think the natural transitions for Nick Wayne to be in a stable with Darby Allen, especially once Sting goes away, and maybe right away because there's that bond, that connection. Darby offered, gave him the AEW contract in Defy. This was awesome. I just wish we would have gotten, they would have been given a little more time to breathe. Yeah, uh, I think that's fair. Um, it was about five minutes shorter than I thought it'd be. I was worried they were going to, about if they were going to have enough time for the go-home uh, angle for Blood and Guts. Uh, one thought I did have was I, I wonder if they should have just held this off until next week because I think you could have had even more eyes on this uh, with uh, it being on the same show as Blood and Guts. Um, and I think that uh, that probably would have been better, honestly, since you're trying to get Nick Wayne over um that's one thought i have you know i i can see it either way i don't have again this is not a particularly strong take here uh just uh more of an idle thought uh secondly in terms of his uh his performance i thought was very strong i thought he did a great job there were you know one or two moments where he was a little off but you know nothing major 
Um, and I think that he came off very well. Now, what I did want to ask you about was the finish where he lost because Swerve cheated. Um, I personally thought it was the right finish because Swerve was pretty high on the card. And, you know, it'd be a lot to have Nick Wayne come in and beat him on night one. Um, maybe if he was facing, like, someone at the Tony Nese level, you should have won that. Um, but, you know, Swerve, Swerve, I get winning. Uh, that makes total sense to me. But I will say I was watching it with my wife, who is, uh, you know, she's... Uh, I think I've won her over to some extent with the AEW in the past few years, but she's not like a hardcore fan or anything. Mm -hmm. It's not like I'm like, hey, you want to watch my PWG Bola tapes this week? You know, and she's like, yeah, brother. Uh, That is not the reaction I get. Um, But I, I, she, after Nick Wayne lost, she was very deflated. Um, And I do wonder. You know, if that was just her, because it sounded to me like the crowd was also kind of deflated, but maybe I'm conflating those two things together. I don't know. Uh, What do you think? Do you think that it was a flat finish? Do you think it was the right call? I think it's the right call. You're building Nick Wayne up and giving him multiple minute promo packages two weeks in a row on Dynamite was no mistake. Mm -hmm. This guy could be the next big thing. He had like a a four and a half, four and three quarter star match with Will Ospreay. I believe it was West Coast Pro earlier this year. Yeah. Maybe it was GCW. I, I don't remember the promotion, but it was tremendous. I think it was West and, Coast, but I'll double check right now. Yeah. I think it was West Coast too. He, I don't necessarily know if he's going to be a quote unquote pillar, but I think he's going to be really important in the next generation of AEW. This guy is tremendous. And he's only scratched the surface of what he can do. With how Tony likes to book, Tony does not like guys to lose straight up. He does a lot of shit finishes. He loves Mid-South. I'm fine with it. Prince Nana. They're heels. Prince Nana fucked with him. Who cares? Mm -hmm. Like, you're protecting a brand new wrestler to the company. And, and I, I guarantee you, most everybody knew who Nick Wayne was, unless you're somebody who literally doesn't know how to use Google or YouTube. Like, it's, There's still I, people I, inventing those people, though. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, I, quick, I got quick, the so, Osprey match was last June in GCW. I got so mad that um, on that tweet that came out. Like, if you are new to AEW, like, they didn't introduce Kota Bushi to the video package. Dumbass. YouTube it. YouTube Kota Bushi. Guess what the second match is? A match with Hangman Page. Yeah. There's just, stuff out uh, there. It's easy to find. You, If you don't know how to use Google and YouTube in the year of our Lord 2023, God help your soul. Stop being an idiot. You don't need this company to do a 10-minute video package just so you know what's going on. You can there are resources out there that are super easy to find. Use them. I'm so sick of people. I, I really am. It these fucking morons, <laughs> I swear. I get mad about very few things. This is one thing that gets me mad. You're smart people. Stop acting like you're a moron. Stop acting like you you need. The, the count on Sesame Street to help you count to the number 10. Yeah, uh, you know, there there is an extent of every comic book is someone's first, right? 
Like there, there should be some level of uh, explaining stuff, which is exactly what the announcers did when Pot came out to attack Kenny Omega. He had Excalibur explaining their history and why Pac has heat with him. And then he did the exact same thing with Kota Ibushi and his connection rather quickly when he was announced. That's also when they had a video announcing him. Um, we just had Forbidden Door, which was a, a massive success financially. I, I think by pretty much anyone's expectations. Um, you know, the, for the second year in a row. And these, uh, the, half the card was New Japan guys that are not featured on American TV beyond like Access TV, you know, after Impact. And uh, you had you know, all these concern, all this concern trolling leading up to it of like, well, you know, will people know who Okada is? Will people know who Tanahashi? And it's pretty clear that there are enough people that knew and cared about those people, about those stars in New Japan, that they, uh, they paid money. And AEW made a lot of money to uh, put on the show. And it was success for the second year in a row. So these people that keep inventing, well, you know, what if your audience were all just like really stupid and uh, just wandered into the room and were like, well, I was choosing between eating glass and drinking bleach and watching this. I guess I'll put this on just to distract myself from my yummy snack. And then, like, okay, but you got to talk to him on that level. It's like, man, what are we? I, you know, I'm right with you. It's it's very silly. I think we've already proven that it's not correct. Abushi's been a big star in the U.S. for a while. Uh, his returns to like GCW and stuff was a um, was a big uh, was a big deal online. And uh, he was also in the cruiserweight uh, challenge, I think it was, in uh, WWE, and arguably was the reason it was created in the first place. He was certainly a, a centerpiece of it. Um, that, that, that's the thing. This is, this is this what is grinds my gears. for years. He was in WWE. He was pushed in the few matches he had in WWE. Now, you could argue that those were just on the network and it wasn't like he was on her all. And sure. But, like, he's also... If we're talking about the 10th guy in a 10-man match. You know, like, we're not... And we're also not talking about bringing in, um, I don't know, someone from Japan that doesn't really have that name value. I'll just drop, um, ah, hell, someone from, let's say, Dragon Gate. Let's say, uh, and I love him, but Big Boss Shimizu. You know, he's not a guy. Oh, big boss rocks. He, he does rule. I would love to see him in AEW. Don't get me wrong on this. But um but it it if they were like, and the fifth man on the elite's team is big boss Shimizu, you know, like me and uh maybe twenty other people. It'd be more Iron Mike Spears. Yeah, Iron Mike Spears like might mark out. I don't know, depending on how he's he feeling. loves Shimizu. Yeah, but it's a question of how he feels about AEW. <laughs> More than more than Shimizu, uh, but like I'd be like, yeah, and there'd be no one else around. To, you know, like I'd be looking over at my wife. She's like, "What, what are you doing? What's going on?" Uh, this is Kota Ibushi, man. Like I, you know, it's just uh, it's very silly, very very silly. Like, uh, let's use this to transition to blood and guts. Okay. the uh, The addition of Ibushi, phenomenal, and it, we had speculated about it. And I'm going to victory lap this, and nobody fact-checked me because I actually I think I said it last week. Pac being the, the fifth member of the Blackpool Combat Club rocks. 
it's perfect in storyline yes. because yes. the elite busted his face and caused him to miss a lot of time. And he wants to get revenge. He's a heel that has consistently throughout this promotion teamed with other heels for the common good, even if they don't get along. I he, think he's, he's heel Eddie Kingston. Yes. And I, I like it. I think it's great, but I think the most important thing about this whole thing that we haven't discussed yet, Fred, Kota Ibushi is going to be in two rings with a giant cage and he's going to do something really stupid and it's going to rock. I just hope nobody dies. Yeah, it's unfortunate it's not in the shape of a... How many... Was it a triangle ring he wanted to start in his promotion? Uh, his his theoretical promotion? Dakota Bushi Pro Wrestling Institute. Yes. Um, but, you know, I think... Uh, I think technically eight sides is two rings. We'll have to appease him for now. Um, yeah, you know, it's pretty exciting, I think. Uh, he's... Uh, it, it should be crazy. He's going to do... Um, He's going to do some really nuts stuff, and uh, that'll just mean that we get the uh, safety police out too. <laughs> but oh well, whatever. It's you know, there's enough uh, windmills to tilt at, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I will say this: pack co- or pack coming in. I I don't know if you noticed this on the show, and all the credit to Iron Mike Spears for showing this he had the hammer yes he had the hammer as he's walking up the ramp with don Callis. phenomenal touch you aren't going to get much better than that that's very good it's it's very very good this this match is going to be this match is going to be great i will say that they must have given Kota Bushi his t-shirt money because it's the golden elite. <laughs> and I wish like, because of the surgery I mentioned earlier, I don't fit into a lot of normal size t-shirts anymore because I have my abs are basically pushing out of my stomach. Like, like a, like a baby's pushing on a pregnant woman's belly. Like I don't fit in a lot of shirts. I wish that one still fit, man. Cause, ah, oh, that would be fun to rock next week. And I hope they bring it back because that shirt ruled. Yeah. It just, look, it, this is going to be fun. Even if you don't know who Kota Ibushi is, and if you don't, just go go look him up. He's one of the more nuts wrestlers of all time. He can wrestle a junior style. He can wrestle a heavyweight style. He can wrestle like a psychopath. Anything you throw at this guy, he is arguably one of like the like the 20 best to ever be a professional wrestler. He's so good, but he just hasn't because of, he wanted to be freelance for so long and he didn't want to be tied down with a company. He didn't get as many of those like big time opportunities. And then he did eventually sign with new Japan. They gave him um, the double title win at the dome. And then he was the one who unified the titles, but then you had the Yakuza stuff Uh, that, and that kind of set him outside of professional wrestling for the better part of a couple of years. This is going to be fun. The golden lovers are one of the, more high octane explosive tag teams of all time. And it's, he's just a great professional wrestler and him mixing it up with a guy like John Moxley. Kota Bushi's a lethal striker too. This is going to be really fun. And 
you already have this bad blood between the Black Cool Combat Club and the Elite, and now you get Kota Ibushi, who just turns into Murder Ibushi uh, randomly because he gets pissed off and like a switch flips in his head. It's going to be great. And if you don't like it, cram it up your cram hole of floor. This rocks. Uh, if you genuinely have not seen Kota Ibushi before, and uh, there may be some people listening that haven't, uh, and you want to experience him in about two and a half minutes, uh, please search Kota Ibushi Shine On You Crazy Diamond, um, which is on YouTube. Uh, it is just a highlight clip, a clip of highlights of him doing extremely Kota Ibushi stuff, particularly from uh, DDT when he was really just doing like crazy, like street wrestling nonsense. Um, uh, His match with Yoshihiko yeah. is awesome. Like, if you don't know who Yoshihiko is, Yoshihiko is literally a blow up sex doll. But he's, yeah, a, he's a big part of DT, DDT's lore, lore. But this is more like his street wrestling, like uh, island wrestling, like complete nonsense. Um, and it's all set to Pink Floyd's Shine On You Crazy Diamond, which works perfectly. And uh, that is a great way to get a feel for that part of his career. He also did more traditional serious pro wrestling uh, in New Japan uh, on a very high level. Uh, he had great matches with Kenny Omega, uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Okada, just about any big star of that time period, you know, uh, Nakamura going back to 2015. Oh, dude, you haven't even mentioned the best matches he had with Naito, where they yeah, just Na- tried to drop each other on their heads. Yeah, Naito, Ishii, I mean, all of them up and down the line. He had great ones with all of them. Jay White in 2019, um, AJ Styles in 15. Um you've got to go out of your way to check him out because he is a super talented wrestler. And even if you don't like the DDT stuff, which you're not going to see too much of in AEW, I'm sure. Uh, but it's, he, there's multiple facets to the way he works and uh, he's really one of the best of all time. Yeah. Well, look, we're not going to be the safety police. These guys know what they're doing. They understand the dangers behind it. If they want to drop themselves on their heads, by all means, go for it. I will not stop you. Because it is your body, your choice. And if you want to do it for my entertainment, hell yeah. And those matches with Naito, um, they had, I think it was a, a series of three. They had, I think it was Sakura Genesis or um, Wrestling Dantaku, then Dominion. And before that, I think it was Supercard. They had, they had three, and it was a great series. High yeah. recommend going to watch those. Yeah, for sure. Um, he he's worth your time on uh, New Japan World for sure. Uh, but yeah, um, that I am very excited for that match next week. I cannot wait uh, for that to happen, and uh, it should be a definite highlight. So let me ask you this: Who do you think wins? That's a great question, and I really don't know the answer. I think if you're blowing this off. Uh, it's my opinion that you should have the baby faces go over in this feud. I think ultimately uh, Blackpool Combat Club has kind of dominated this to date. And with it being uh, Ibushi's entry into AEW, I think there's even more of an onus for them to have uh, the elite go over. Um, that said, I don't think it'd be air quotes wrong for uh, the Blackpool Combat Club to win. 
Uh, I just think that, you know, going forward, you do have a heel world champion. Um, you've got, um, you know, all these situations. And, you know, with the structure of the company right now, I think that they could use a boost to their top level baby faces more than their heels. But that's just uh, my take right now. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I think the elite should win. This is all elite wrestling after all. And let's be honest, the Blackpool Combat Club is not going to lose anything by losing this match. Um, yeah. th- this is what we really should be talking about is like how great this is going to be. This, oh, I'm very this excited has, for it. This has, with how these teams have really gelled chemistry-wise and the amount of sheer talent in the ring. Like You look at the talent that's going to be in that ring, the worst wrestler is probably Wheeler Yuta, and he's really damn good. This is an incredible collection of talent, and it's going to rock. Yeah. It's going to be bloody. It's going to be violent. I wouldn't be shocked if Matt Jackson pulls out the the thumbtack Jordan again. This yeah, or something is- along those lines. Oh, somebody's here with a package, I think. Right. Uh, hopefully it's just a package. I don't have to actually answer the door. Odie is all confused. Oh, wait. it's It might be my bug guy. All right, cool. Um, so I'll be back in a second. All right, cool. Well, I'll just uh, start rambling about other aspects of the shows this week. Um, but yeah, uh, Blood and Guts, very excited for that. Uh, let's time, it's time for Fred's. So I'll recommend some stuff from shows this week. Rampage. I actually watched Rampage this morning. And, uh, you know, there were two good matches on that, which is more than you usually get from a Rampage. I liked uh, the Hung Bucks in Dark Order. I liked the uh, the finish of it, which was, of course, some uh, uh, BCC slash Takeshita chicanery uh, helping Dark Order cheat to win. Uh, I went four and a quarter on that one. I thought that was a pretty easy notebook match and uh, just a lot of fun. Uh, we already talked a little bit about the Big Bill and Brian Cage versus Matt Seidel and Trent match. Uh, I like that. Not quite notebook level. Uh, if we're going to use that terminology, but three and three quarters, that's still like a, hey, check it out if you have time level match for me. Uh, so pretty good. Uh, collision. Collision's good matches. Uh, I love that FTR Bullet Club Gold tag team match they had. I think that may have been the best AW match of the week. Um, I thought that it was structured really well. I was a little concerned early on because they were definitely going slow, and I didn't quite expect the match to go as long as it did. So, uh, once I adjusted for that, uh, and that was a me issue, really. Uh, I thought it was really good. Uh, Jay White and Juice Robinson are a great team together, even though I think Jay White is still too low on the card. Um, he should be, like, much higher as a singles guy, in my opinion. But if we're going to use him as a tag guy, he, they found a great spot for him. And they put on a great performance. And I'm looking forward to that match this coming Saturday. Uh, the best two out of three falls for the belts uh, that they're going to be doing with FTR. Um, and it was nice to have a proper great FTR match. It's July, and uh, I was going through my uh, my extremely nerdy um, list of matches, and uh, I only have FTR with two four-and-a-half stars match- matches this year, and that's it for anything at three-and-a-half plus. So that's kind of surprising, given the run they had last year, but of course they did take time off, so that's part of that too. Um, CM Punk and Samoa Joe. Um, you know, I think we should... once. Tyler comes back, we should probably have a discussion about the direction of this, but as far as a match, I thought it was good. I did not think it was great. Um, 
hey, you're back, buddy. Uh, I just brought up CM Punk versus Samoa Joe. Um, I was talking about how I thought the match was good but not great. I went three and three quarter stars on it. Uh, again, like at, at the level of you should check it out if you have time, but like not really essential viewing. Um, what did you get a chance to check that out? I forget if Collision made your list this week or not. No, um, with everything that's going on in my life, Collision did not make the list. But l- let me let me say this much. Sure. Okay. I, we we need to have a serious conversation about the booking of CM Punk at Samoa Joe and if it was the right call or the wrong call. Yeah, that's kind of what it, I was hoping we would do right now, actually. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, um, my I we have a bug guy and he's awesome and he's uh, here spraying everything right now. So uh, it wasn't a package at the door. Okay. So it, there's many layers to this. Uh, if you know the lore and they've talked about the lore on television, that CM Punk has never beaten Samoa they Joe. They pushed it hard. And, yeah, they pushed it real hard, which to me said that they weren't going to have him win. And I thought it was the right call to not have him win for multiple reasons. Because then you can get you can make real money off of this. And the whole point of All Elite Wrestling is giving wrestling to nerds like us. We follow this. We understand the background. And there's so many little nuggets and nuances that are built for us. And then in a semifinal match in a tournament. Like, if you don't want, like, Punk to lose, don't book the match. Don't yeah. book him against Samoa Joe. It's really not hard. But he booked him against Samoa Joe. He put himself in the corner, which he does a lot. That We don't talk enough about how Tony Khan books himself into a corner with some of this stuff. And you look at everything all-encompassing. The fact that he won on a roll-up is good if he's going to win at all because then Samoa Joe can be like, oh, it's banana peel. You didn't actually beat me. But now you've really devalued an actual win from CM Punk. And I, I don't care where it was. Some people were complaining about the fact it was in Regina. I, to me, that doesn't matter. Oh, that doesn't matter. I don't care about now, that. Could it have been better if it was in, like, Chicago or Probably, like, but like, Dayton, Ohio or Hammerstein? Yeah, absolutely. Because those you places can't, you can't run. Won. You can't run Chicago 30, you know, 35 times a year instead of 30. Tony Khan would love to if he could. Uh, yeah. But... Yeah, that's just not how it works. And when you have everything all-encompassing, I hated this. I thought you could have done way more with it. And I will give Tony Khan the benefit of the doubt here to see what the follow-up is. Because the follow-up, in my opinion, is more important than what actually happened on Collision. How are you going to build off of this? How are you going to make this rivalry bigger? Because remember, they wrestled outside of ROH as well, and Punk didn't win those matches. So I think... Uh, somebody mentioned in our office, like, and I don't remember who I'm giving credit to, but the idea was that now Tony Khan thinks it's uh, one, one, and two between those two as far as like an all time record. So now this next match is the tiebreaker. I still think that you could have done a much better job in getting to a point where you're trying to make money with this match. And it's just a real disappointment that he won on a banana peel win, especially if he loses to Ricky Starks because. You could have had Ricky Starks beat Samoa Joe and still get the rub winning the Owen Hart Memorial Cup tournament and keep the prestige with a punk win over Samoa Joe. Yeah, uh, the takeaway I had from this is that um, Tony Khan is not going to push. uh, He's not going to push Samoa Joe as like a major draw in 2023. Uh, I think in general, that's probably the correct take. I mean, I think he's getting a very good slot as the Ring of Honor TV champion, and he's bringing prestige to that title and everything. 
but I think this was the one occasion, you know, being a draw is so much dependent on the storylines you're in. Would Samoa Joe as just a kind of generic guy on the roster, you know, just in a normal slot, would he be a great top of the card guy? Probably not your best. Like he'd probably be serviceable, I figure, but you know, he is getting older and you know, he's not the worker he once was and all this stuff. Um, but there is one storyline that really, really could have used, you know, him as a drawing card in it's, you know, the a CM Punk feud. And I thought they did a tremendous job playing up the history of it. And then they had him lose to CM Punk, um, like immediately, you know, well, not immediately. I mean, they did a month of build for the TV show and then they blew it off on the TV show. And, TV is where the money is made in pro wrestling these days. So you kind of have to discount the, this wasn't a pay-per-view main event because one, it probably wasn't going to be. And two, that's less of a division these days than it ever has been before. So that didn't bother me too much. Um, I do think that if you're not going to have CM Punk decisively defeat Samoa Joe in this match, um, then you shouldn't have him beat him. I think this was a situation where either Punk should have gone over super strong with the uh, with the go to sleep or you know even the Anaconda Vice I guess if you want to give him a give Samojo a pass out to a submission rather than a pinfall out. Uh, but having him win with a roll up was very weird to me, um, and it felt like they were trying to protect Samojo in a situation where being protected didn't matter that much. Yes, he's a Ring of Honor champion, but. You know, it's Ring of Honor. You know, it's not exactly the international championship in AEW or something. The one of the AEW proper uh, secondary belts. Um, and it's CM Punk. You know, like you didn't need to have him get this roll up. I think it makes it pretty obvious what the booking is for the finals of the men's Owen, which is not a big deal, but you know, it just does. Uh, either Punk is winning, which is like eighty percent likely, I figure at best or at worst. Um, or else there's going to be some shenanigans that cause Ring Starks to win. Uh, not a heel turn necessarily, though. I, you know, I don't know. Uh, it's not like they've really been teasing it, but I don't know that a heel Ricky Starks would uh, would not be the worst idea right now. Um, I don't but, think they're going to turn Ricky Starks heel. I don't think I just... so either. And you could also just have it be, you know, he stays face, but he's not aware of the cheating, and it's really because, say, Samoa Joe's, you know, it gets involved or some other heel. You you could do that. Um, keeps uh, CM Punk the protagonist of Collision uh, while letting Ricky Stark win this tournament. Uh, but I think it's much more likely at this point that CM Punk's going to win and just win outright, and he's the Owen champion, and uh, ta-da, you know. Yeah, man, I just hated it. We'll see where the follow up goes. That that's really about all we can say. Um, that's I am excited the thing with it. You know, the story never ends, right? So, oh, don't get me fucking started. Don't get me started. No, no, Fred, I I, I do not want to yell anymore today. No, to self antagonize Tyler more. I will drive to Kentucky. Uh, okay, I got it down on my mouse pad now, which is just a piece of paper. Um, All right, well, let, let's let's go over what's coming. Um, okay. Rampage actually looks like a decent lineup. Kanosuke Takeshita in action, likely a squash match. Yeah. Lance Ar- Archer returns to AEW. 
versus Trent Beretta. Dustin Rhodes and Keith Lee versus uh, 2.0, Cool Hand, Angelo Parker, and Daddy Magic, Matt Menard. Athena versus Willow Nightingale for uh, in the semifinals of the Owen Hart Memorial Cup tournament. This match was moved from Wednesday. Yeah, Willow, Willow had an injury issue. Suffered a minor injury at Independence Day at Corcoran Hall, working those strong shows where she lost the NGPW strong title to Julia. Um, Dark Order and Tony Storm were both speak. Obviously, Dark Order beat the Elite. Uh, in their match on ramp page 100 where the Blackpool combat club uh, intervened um, collision. You have the finals of both the women's and the men's um, Owen Hart tournament. It will either be Willow Nightingale or Athena versus Ruby Soho CM Punk versus Ricky Starks. FTR will face Jay White and juice Robinson for the world tag team championships in a best two out of three falls match, which is interesting. I'm very excited I- for that. I am too. I think this means FTR is winning. Yeah, so then the falls will be 2v2, but that could be really, really good. And that could very well um, leak into Battle of the Belts, which is going to be right after Collision. Sean Spears is taking on Luchasaurus for the TNT title. That has been announced. Um, and the only two things announced for next week's Dynamite, which these could be the only two matches, and I think we'd be pretty happy with it. Adam Cole and MJF versus Daniel Garcia and Sammy Guevara. And blood and guts. We have a really good collection of matches here coming forward, Fred. This is going to be a lot of fun to watch. I'm really, really excited for it. And we'll see how things progress. Yeah. And there's nothing else that's really been um, been brought, or I'm sorry, announced on uh, AEW's Twitter. So I think um, I think you're, the idea that maybe FTR and... Bullet Club Gold extends into Battle of the Belts. That might not be uh, too far from the truth. I, I do wonder if they'd uh, do that. So, I think, yeah, it, I think it'd be a good idea, honestly. I do too. And I wouldn't be shocked to see uh, Chris Statlander defending the TBS championship on here as well. Yeah. Um, I, I do like the idea of extending that match, Fred, for the sole fact that you want to condition your audience that things can run over. And even yes. though Battle of the Belts is a, like it's the same three hour time block, it's always been treated as a separate show, especially when paired with Rampage. So having a transition to another program past 9 p.m. Central Time, I think, is a really important because they've only done a couple overruns. Otherwise, they're pretty strict about that 9 p.m. I think this is a good opportunity to condition your audience that can go past. Yeah, and uh, I do think they need to, you know, as a wrestling show, you should always have a element of the unpredictable on hand. Like, it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, like it, it shouldn't be like Swerve City, not Strickland, but like, you know, weird booking decisions just to get ones over on people. But, you know, you, you do need to have some... Uh, one of the best things about early WCW Nitro was the feeling that anything could happen at any time in the sense that you could, someone could get jumped backstage as a surprise angle. Um, you could have um, a match, you know, get extra time, stuff like that. And uh, I think that they need to um, continue that with uh, AEW. They need to incorporate a little more of that, to be honest. Uh, like all these segments backstage where someone's being interviewed and then someone immediately walks in and interrupt and then they trash talk a little bit and then 
you know, that's the end of the segment. You know, they, I would like just a touch more dynamism where sometimes a guy gets jumped backstage or in the parking lot, not to get to NXT. But, you know, like having more diversity, I think, would benefit AEW. And uh, I don't know. It's just a thought I've had for a little bit now. So, yeah. Let's let's see how how things progress. This will be um, very interesting. Um, yeah, that's but the that, show. yeah, that's <laughs> it. Um, that's it. I will drop star ratings real quick for uh, for Dynamite. I went three and three quarter on Jericho Commander. I like that quite a bit. I went four on the Casty Darby JS tag. Uh, and I went um, four for uh, Nick Wayne Swerve Strickland. So, you know, several good matches. Nothing super high level, but, you know, good stuff all the same. Yeah. Um, good stuff, man. This is a company that I'm very interested in. I will say this. I am really excited to see Eddie Kingston in the G1. Yeah. Apparently he's having a flight issue of some sort right now. So. Yeah. He's having a flight issue and this is not the first second or third time somebody's had a flight issue. Claudio almost missed. uh, I think it was Sakura Genesis or was it um, Dantaku? No, it was Dantaku. Because of a, a typhoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of flight issues. Maybe New Japan needs to considering forking up a little bit of extra money for a hotel for one more night to get these guys in on time. He's not going to miss a show, but he's going to miss the press conference, which I'm going to be honest. I I don't think he needs the press conference, but that could have really helped set him apart again with the Japanese fan base. Yeah, um, the strong fan base is already in, but strong yeah. fan base and the New Japan proper fan base don't always intersect, like the square rectangle theorem. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I, I think it would have been better for him to have that in his back pocket. Yeah, um, he'll get his chances, so it'll be good. Uh, and once, you know, I think that'll help him out. And if he's able to stay healthy, I think he'll be, uh, he'll be great over there. Um, I think he does a very good job of working kind of like Ishii, just the, let's throw bombs and, uh, throw people around and they'll get hit by bombs and throw them around too. Kind of, you know, match style. Yeah. But that's our show. We're going to have a, a big, a big review of blood and guts next week. And we will keep you updated on Eddie Kingston's progress in the G one, which I know I will be watching live. I don't know where you are at currently on your new Japan watching Fred, but it's going to be a really fun and delicious G one. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun and uh, I'm looking forward to it very much. Um, New Japan's back, baby. Um, in fact, you know, we were I, I pitched this as an idea if we ran out of time, at, he says, at one hour and 41 minutes in. Uh, but, you know, we, we talked about doing a mid-year look at the uh, Wrestling Observer Awards and, you know, obviously didn't end up with time for that. But honestly, one thing I've been thinking about is the Promotion of the Year Award, which has gone to 
AEW for the last three years. And I think that streak is being broken this year. Uh, I think it's going to go to New Japan. And frankly, I think there's an argument that uh, CMLL might need to finish ahead of AEW. I don't know. Uh, I'm probably leaning AEW in that comparison, but... Um, CML has had a great year. It has had a great year. And frankly, there are people that are going to argue for WWE too. And like, if you just look at the box office and the money, uh, you know, hard to argue against that too much. Uh, it's a very interesting race this year, I think. And it, it's been the most interesting it's been since it's been a long time, uh, frankly. Um, probably back to the early aughts. You know, when yeah, had- where like Noah was having a tremendous run. Um, um wwe was good yeah and and you also had pride and ufc actually uh, for from 2001 to 2011 all but two years that was won by pride and ufc so um yeah i think it's just a very very interesting time a uh, great year for wrestling we're more kind of out of the pandemic and most almost entirely around the world um <sighs> Still some issues in Japan, but I mean, Dragon Gate just threw a great house for their uh, Kobe world, which is fantastic to see. And, and that's that's more of a culture thing of just being extra yeah. conservative. Um, like even pre-pandemic, uh, a lot of Japanese people would wear masks outside regularly. Like it's the culture there is just much more. Let's stay safe and be conservative with those elements where us, we were itching to get out of the house right away and going back to massive crowds. So it's that culture gap is they're slowly getting back to where we were at like the end of 2021. And it's, it's just a culture difference and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just something you have to be aware of when you're talking about these things. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's going to be a great couple weeks for wrestling. I know that much right now. I'm I'm really excited. So yeah, there is a lot to be excited about. But that is going to do it here here on The Good, The Bad, and The Hungy. If you're listening on the Voice of Wrestling podcast feed, thank you very much. Please consider subscribing to our solo feed, The Good, The Bad, and The Hungy. We are the number one podcast of wrestling in the country of Turkey, and we would like to keep it that way and grow our other countries as well. Um, if you want to follow us on social media, you can find Fred on Blue Sky, which nobody's there anymore. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. at I still Real like Party. it. <laughs> You, you can follow, yeah, it's because the idiots of Twitter aren't there yet. Exactly. You can follow the show on Twitter at Good Bad Hungi. You can follow all my Vikings work at Vikings First and Schools YouTube channel and the soon to be website. And I'm also the managing editor of USA Today's Vikings Wire. I do a lot of football stuff. So if you love that, yeah, reach out to me. We can talk some ball. Fred, his Patreon is still currently paused, but that's going to come back with an analytical look on the landscape of professional wrestling that you will not want to miss out on. Both the, All those links are in the show description. And join us on the Voice Wrestling Discord for some more in, intriguing discussions on the world of all elite wrestling. Until next week, where we're going to bleed like stuffed pigs in honor of blood and guts. That's Fred. I'm Tyler. Have a great day. Slovakia, I'm coming for you. Serbia, I'm coming for you. Romania, you're getting number one podcast. It's us. We're coming, baby. Hey, everybody. My name is Jesse Collings, and I want to tell you all about my show, The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. 
on the Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, we do a thorough analysis on the biggest issues and trends within the pro wrestling industry. We talk a lot about pro wrestling media, we talk a lot about fan culture, and wrestling's place within general pop culture, and we talk about the broader influences that are shaping the way we discuss and analyze the pro wrestling industry. We've had some of the brightest minds in the pro wrestling intelligentsia on the show, including WrestleNomics host Brandon Thurston, both Rich Krejci and Joe Lanza from the Flagship Wrestling Podcast, Trevor Dame from the Through the Years Podcast, and a whole lot more. This isn't a show for hot takes. It's not a show recapping the latest episode of television. This is a show focusing on the biggest topics in pro wrestling and doing a deep dive on the real stories behind the surface level analysis you might find elsewhere. The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you gave us a try. Thanks.